0: Happy Easter, lovely to see you. It's, that is so much better. There's, there's, a, there's a lot of good life in this place today, isn't there? You know, and the sunshine helps, isn't it? It's And I didn't even move my lips. Is that anything I need to do? We don't know. We're just gonna pray. It's great to gather together today. If you're regularly with us at Riverside Vineyard, you are very welcome. If you're visiting here today, you are especially welcome. Maybe you are a friend or a family of someone getting baptized, you've come to support them. Wonderful. Maybe you're visiting someone today, and to make sure that you get lunch, you've come to church with them. So it is lovely to see you. Whatever your reason, uh, just delighted that you're here today and hope that what we share is helpful to you. Have you ever climbed a, a hill or a mountain and you think you've got to the top, Only to get to that bit and realize there was a bit more. Have you ever done that? I I think the story of Jesus is a bit like that. You know, Christmas is great, isn't it? So you get to Christmas and then you look further and then you see the life and the ministry of Jesus. And that is just stunning. And then you get to Good Friday and that has incredible power. And then you get to there and you look further and you get to Easter Sunday, which is just the most extraordinary day. It kicks up again. But then if you're a Christian, you'll know that today, this is a highlight day of the year, isn't it? It doesn't get a lot better than this, although it does. Because we're looking forward to a day when Jesus comes back and makes all things new again. It's going to kick up again. So that's the story that we find ourselves a part of this morning. We're going to look at the story of the first Easter Sunday as recorded in Matthew's Gospel. Matthew chapter 28. If you have a Bible and you want to turn to that, feel free. Uh, the words will come up on the screen in just a moment. I'm going to read from verse 1 of Matthew chapter 28. After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. clasped his feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. It's an amazing story, isn't it? Just amazing. Imagine just for a moment that you are one of those Marys that turns up at that tomb. You're pretty downcast. You're pretty sad. You're in mourning. Your close friend, Jesus, has been brutally executed two days before. And all of the hopes and the dreams that you had placed in him have just been shattered. Your hopes for a better future have died with him. And so you're going to this tomb to anoint his body with with spices. And I don't know about you, that does not sound a glamorous thing to do. But there are a few people, part of our church family here, who work in the funeral trade. I've chatted to them. They shared some of their stories. It's not a job that I would want to do. That is what these two women were going to do. There's an earthquake. An angel appears. This angel has this appearance of lightning, dazzling white, rolls back the tombstone. And the guards that were in place there, these these were killing machines, these Roman guards. And they just freeze. They shake and are like dead men. The question I want us to think about briefly this morning is this: Why was the stone rolled away? Why was the stone rolled away? You see, maybe it was part of the earthquake. The text tells us the angel started, but maybe the earthquake just kicked in to make the angel look good. Maybe that, maybe that was part of it. Maybe the the sun was shining like it was today, but the the stone was in the shade, and the angel wanted to top up their angelic tan, so just thought, that's that stone, I'll just go and move it over. Why was the stone rolled away? Here is a box. What do you think is in it? Chocolate? Nothing? Something? What is in here? What is in here? Would you believe me if I said but it was empty? You see, there's a lot of yeses, so it's, there's a few no's, and Steve over here is, yeah, who knows? Would you believe me? Some of you are trusting a lot, some of you are not. What would help you to believe that it's empty? was the stone rolled away. See, I don't believe that it was so that Jesus could get out. See, from the text that we read, it seems to me like Jesus had already gone by the time the tombstone was rolled away. There is no account of him walking past the women that were there. And in fact, we know from other texts in the Gospels that after his resurrection, Jesus had a new transphysical kind of body. He was able to go into rooms through the walls. He could just appear. And so it seems to me that if he could do that, the cave in which he was buried would be no barrier to him getting out. So why was the stone rolled away? Tim Keller, who's an author and a pastor out in New York, he wrote this. The reason the stone was rolled away was not so that Jesus could get out, but so that we could get in. It's not so that Jesus could get out, but it's so that we could get in. It's that we could have a look inside that tomb. Verse 6, the angel says to those two women, come and see the place where he lay. And so the two Marys have a look in. In Luke's account, in Luke's Gospel, Peter has a look in too a bit later. If you go to John's account, John joined in the party as well. They looked in and all they found was grave clothes. That's all they found. The stone, I believe, was rolled away so that they could look in and that we could look in as well. So what does the empty tomb tell us? Here's just a few things briefly this morning that I want to share. What does it tell us? The first thing that I believe that it tells us is that Jesus was telling the truth. He was telling the truth. Let me read verse 6 to us again. This is what the angel says to them. He is not here. He has risen just as he said. The angel reminds the Marys, and he reminds us that Jesus had said all this was going to happen. I believe that Jesus tells us the truth. We can trust him. And Jesus explains reality to us. The second thing that the empty tomb tells us is that death is not the end. Death is not the end. If you want to, uh, in your own time, we're not going to do it this morning, but if you turn forward in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 15, you will find the most extraordinary writing from the Apostle Paul about resurrection. And what Paul says to us is that without the resurrection of Jesus, our faith is futile. There's nothing to believe if Jesus didn't rise from the dead. And what he says is that Jesus is the prototype for resurrection. And so Jesus has this new transphysical existence. A perishable body becomes imperishable. And a mortal body becomes immortal. And then Paul writes this, 1 Corinthians 15 verse 54, death has been swallowed up in victory. That's why we're here today. Because death is not the end. Death has been swallowed up in victory. And so the way that the New Testament writers describe it is this. When we say yes to Jesus, we become in Christ. So if this is my life and this is Jesus, when I give my yes to him, I become in Christ. So what happens to him? happens to me. Jesus passed through death into glorious new life, so will we. Because what happened to him will happen to us. And we see this symbolically in baptism. You see, baptism identifies us with the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, one of the things that I have done is assured all of those getting to baptize, getting baptised that in this church we have a 100% record of people coming up out of the water. And, And that is important for lots of reasons. Lots of reasons. But one of the important reasons is this. It's because when we are in Christ, when we are in Him, when we die, we do not stay buried. We do not stay buried. But rather we rise up in Christ to live with Him forever. What happened to him happens to us. Death is not the end. Third thing, the empty tomb tells us that at the end of the day, God wins. The end of the day, God wins. We live in a very messy, broken world. If you switch on your news feed this morning, there are some horrific things coming from Sri Lanka this morning. We live in a messy world. But the thing that I believe is this, is that faced with a creation in ruins, God did not reject it he redeemed it and that is the astonishing truth of Easter God is making all things new again and Easter should give us incredible hope that at the end of the day everything is going to be okay because God wins fourth thing the empty tomb tells us that Jesus is alive Jesus is alive verse 6 the angel says he is not here he has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. And so that the Marys and later Peter and John, and I believe us as well, are invited to take a look. And as we look in, we see nothing, and at the same time we see everything. I'm going to say that again. When we look in, we will see nothing, and at the same time we see everything. And then the angel says to them, verse 7, go. says to them, go. In other words, don't, don't stay at the tomb. However wonderful, however stunning, however incredible it is, he says, go. Don't stay at the empty tomb. Why? Because Jesus isn't there. You see, as the stone was rolled away, a tomb became a cave again. It didn't need to be a tomb because there was no body in there. And so, the angel says to them, "Go. He has risen from the dead, and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him." Now, as I read that text again this week, I I, I sort of imagined, you know, what happens in a pantomime. You know, where someone's on stage and they say, "He's behind you." A, read the text. There's a bit of that going on in the text where the angel is saying to the Marys. He's not here. He's behind you. And that's why they says to them, turn around. Turn around. He's behind you. So turn around. And this is what happens when they turn around. The women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples, suddenly Jesus met them. Fifth thing, last thing I want to share this morning. The empty tomb tells us that because he is alive we can have relationship with Him. We can have relationship. We can know Him. We can find Jesus. Or more accurately, we can be found by Him. He comes to find us. But it requires us to turn around. To turn around. You see, often in life we can be looking in the wrong direction. We've been going our own way in life. At other times we can be looking in a good direction, in a better direction. But we can still miss the things that are important. Now, please don't get me wrong this morning. The empty tomb is wonderful. It is extraordinary. But I don't believe that the empty tomb is the destination. The empty tomb points us to the resurrected Jesus Christ. Because it is the resurrected Jesus that we need more than an empty tomb. We actually need him. But we have to turn around. And that is what the Bible calls repentance. The word repent literally means to turn around, to have a change of thinking. We've been thinking in one way, we turn around. We've been living life in one way, we turn around. We turn around. That is what I believe the empty tomb invites us to do, to change direction, to find the risen Jesus. Because I believe That when we find Jesus, or more accurately, when he finds us, we find everything. When he finds us, we find everything. So, last thing I want to talk about this morning is this. What should we do when we meet Jesus? What should we do? What should our response be? Well, if you remember the story that we read, what did the women do? What the women did was clasp the feet of Jesus. Now, think about that just for the moment. Some of you here will be able to clasp your own feet. I'm not going to ask you to try right now, because some of you will and some of you will be embarrassed. But actually, it's it's actually quite hard to clasp your own feet. Now, think about what it then might be like to clasp the feet of somebody else if you are standing up. Think about how that might work. Now, if you've been going to Pilates and are very flexible, then you might stand half a chance. But more likely, those women fell on their knees. They fell to the ground as they met Jesus and clasped his feet. And what that tells us is this, that the resurrected Jesus is to be the focus of our worship. He is to be the heart of our affection and the center of gravity for our lives. And so if you are here this morning and you have already given your yes to Jesus, my encouragement to you is keep turning around. Find the resurrected Jesus. Keep turning around every day and give your yes to him. Surrender to him. Give your worship to him. If you've not yet said yes to Jesus, today is a wonderful day to give your yes to Jesus. The resurrected Jesus comes to find every one of us. I would love to just pray a prayer for all of us this morning. Uh, Whether we know Jesus yet or not, whether we've been following him for decades or just come to faith recently, but a prayer that simply says that we're going to turn around and we're going to give our worship to Jesus. So let's pray together. Let's bow our heads and pray. Lord Jesus, thank you that you love me so much that you were prepared to leave the glory of heaven, to come to this earth, to be born as a human baby, to live the most extraordinary, blameless, sinless life, but to then become sin for me, to take on all of my mess, to take on all of my rebellion. Jesus, thank you that you did that for me. And Lord, I am eternally grateful. I'm sorry that I go my own way. But I turn around this morning. And Jesus, I reach out to you for forgiveness. Thank you that you come to find me. And so Jesus, as you find me today, I choose to give my yes to you. I open my heart to you. that you would come and live in me by your Holy Spirit. Enabling me to live the kind of life that you always intended for me to live. Jesus, I am incredibly grateful. Amen.